Big Fluff. Play your cards right, they may go for it. They? Not you? I'm prosecuting your case? Nah, ma'am. It's not me. You never catch a lucky break, do you? Bad timing? No, conflicted out. Conflicted out? I mean, I figured that'd happen. You and I have wheeled and dealed together too many times. There's no way the boss is letting me run that one. It's not Erickson, is it? No, whole Albuquerque office is out. We all know you, Jimmy. Well, who is it? Um, they're pulling in someone from Berlin. Um, hey, something hey, I think. I don't know, boss used the words tough but fair. <clears throat> Got a jam. <laughs> Good luck. Burger's getting cold. <laughs> you want it? Uh, yeah? There's too many trans fats. Oh, those are the best fats. So they let you keep the car? What? Davis and Maine. They let you keep the uh, German car? No. That blows. Hobo Radio, the official podcast of HoboTrashCan.com. You can share your thoughts on the show anytime by emailing Joel at Murphy's Law at HoboTrashCan.com. This is Peter Dyseth, DDA Oakley from Better Call Saul, and you are listening to Hobo Radio. And remember, trans fats are the best fats. And now, your host, miniature dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy. Hello again. I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. And today, I am very excited to bring to you my interview with Peter Dyseth, the actor that you, uh, he's on Roswell, but you also might know him as the Deputy District Attorney Bill Oakley on Better Call Saul which I was very excited to talk to him about. I was very excited to talk to him in general. He could not have been more delightful. Very interesting guy to talk about. Has a great story about awkwardly (laughs) meeting Bob Odenkirk in a bathroom. So look forward to that. But obviously, like, I'm I'm a big fan of his character and his work on the show specifically. But uh, anyone who knows me knows that I, I love Better Call Saul. It's my favorite show that's on television right now. Very excited just to dive into that world with anyone. I'm going to just throw it out here on the record. I've said this privately, but you know, just going to go ahead and say it. I like it better than Breaking Bad. I've been rewatching Breaking Bad and it's been delightful and I love that show a lot too, but I really think Better Call Saul is something special. Uh, I'm really digging everything they're doing right now. And as we also talked about in this interview, preparing myself to have my heart broken uh, as we get closer and closer to the end. But if you're a fan of the show, I think you're really going to enjoy this. So without further ado, my interview with Peter Dyseth.
the place I always like to to start is just asking, uh, like, how did you decide that you wanted to be an actor? Like, when when did you decide that's what you wanted to do for a living? <laughs> God, so much story. Um, for a living, I don't know. I don't, I'm I'm still trying to figure that out. But um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's the it's the it's a pretty the stereotypical story of uh, I was I was a big old jock in in school in grade school and junior high and high school doing. Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't tell from uh, anything. If you've ever seen me on TV, you wouldn't, probably wouldn't guess that. But uh, football, uh, I did soccer for like 18 years. Um, so in high school, uh, they, I had to take an elective, right? So the jock uh, takes the theater class because it's going to be easy. But <laughs> little did I know, <laughs> uh, we got a brand new theater teacher that year, a guy just out of uh, graduate school from... Um, University of Portland, named Sean Riley, and he he was so uh, he was so jazzed about uh, imparting everything he learned from graduate school on these high schoolers that man it was it was a it was a very difficult class, but it, uh, <laughs> it yeah I, I I don't know I just I fell in love with it that I got I had to do uh, we were forced to do uh, to audition for plays because of the, that class and uh, man the first time I stepped on stage it was uh, this production of uh, Man Who Came to Dinner an old thirties farce. And uh, I just had this little tiny part, Dr. Bradley. But the moment I got on stage, like I was so worried that I would, I would see the people and the lights and I would totally freeze up. But oh, it was just it was just freeing. It was just so much fun. So uh, I just kept <laughs> at it. Yeah, I just kept at it. And uh, uh, and then senior year, we did this play, uh, Sam Shepard play, seniors in high school doing that, uh, which I don't know. Um, how appropriate it was, but it was it solidified my love because it was like all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's, it's not about just funny songs or, or jokes or, or making your parents laugh. It was about like trying to delve into like a real story, real characters with real problems. And uh, and that just, yeah, I just fell in love with that. And so I just kept with it, kept with it in college and, and onward. I, I do think that's the Sam Shepard stuff is better than the the farce because I remember in high school we did Charlie's Aunt which was like yeah this farce and it was uh, you know it was like about college students that they had a butler and like all of the like just you know they had to have a sh- it was all about one of their friends dressing up like a woman because they needed a chaperone and it's like high school kids trying to make that work and right. the jokes not landing and it's just feeling super awkward so yeah I would have rather done Sam Shepard I think <laughs> no it was it was a- amazing it was, looking back on it i think maybe looking back on it through my my dad's eyes <laughs> it kind of gives me <laughs> gives me pause like and he came to like every performance he's so supportive from day one um which also yeah. I think I helped helped to solidify my love for it but i don't uh, to answer your question you know what honestly i don't know that there is such a thing as an appropriate play for, for no students. This, yeah that's <laughs> i think uh, charlie's aunt's probably just as appropriate as lie of the mind and and at that stage, I think what it's about is just having fun and seeing, do you like, 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 do you like this? Is this something you want to try more of and learn more about? And cool. Like, as you get older, you can go take, you know, further classes or, or explore it. And if you don't like it, that's cool, too. Just have some fun. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I think high school theater, it's for, yeah, for people to discover if that's their passion and also just, like, for the weird kids to hang out. Oh, and, totally. Like, oh, play. totally. Yeah. It was such a <laughs> such a community, and that was the first time I had experienced that. I, I yeah, was yeah. Uh, I was such a again, this is like looking back at hindsight, but I was such a chameleon in school, where uh, like everybody liked me, all the groups, you know, the the, the goths and the and the jocks and the, and the screw ups and the the nerds, you know, but they're not all 
like that stereotypical clicks but but i got along with everyone and i think it was because i was able to i just sort of adjusted myself and my personality to 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 fit in in theater in in high school when i joined that group i think that was the first time i could be like me like i didn't have to adjust myself so yeah community is such a big part of it not only in in like high school theater but uh, all the way up college theater and, and community theater especially it's it's the people it's the people so I know you're saying that there's not like a, a specific, you know, m- moment that you decided it, but was it so it was just gradual, like you decided to go to college for acting or, or what happened after the like early high school experiences? Well, I, that elective I took was when my sophomore year. So I had like three years of, of indoctrination into the... <laughs> by the time I graduated, uh, you know, by the time, shoot, by the time my sophomore year was over, I knew this is something I wanted to explore. Like I, I had been, uh, my life up until that point had been basically sports and, and soccer in particular. And I always thought that I would go on to school and then, you know, maybe get a scholarship to, to play sports. But, but I don't know if I just, I had done it so much when I was, uh, when I was little that I kind of lost the the drive for it but i just found this 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 new i don't know it just became an obsession with me uh um, just this love of something completely different that accessed a completely different part of of my body and brain and 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 you know my heart and um so it was kind of gradual but i think just i honestly i think from that first moment i, I stepped on stage I, I i knew or part of me knew that, that this is what i was going to go after did you find that the the sports stuff helped at all? Like, was it did it help you with the physicality or blocking or anything? Or you know, were there any like transferable skills? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, yes, not really physicality. Aside from the fact that I stayed in shape, one of the, actually my biggest physicality issue that I'm still dealing with is uh, because of soccer. I played it for so long, and when you're uh, when you're little and playing soccer, you're just looking down at the ball the whole time. So I, I, <laughs> yeah. I grew into this young adult who had hunched over shoulders, and I, and I, it was like impossible for me to stand up straight, and I didn't know any better. Um, and it wasn't until I got to college and was taking um, uh, you know physical classes uh, where I, I learned that really screwed me up. <laughs> But on the other <laughs> hand, uh, there's there's so much uh, uh, about uh, teamwork and and relying on your teammate and knowing that that what you are creating or what you're trying to do uh, is way bigger than than you and and you cannot rely or you can't believe that your shoulders are, are carrying everything. I think that's probably the biggest lesson that uh, that sports imparted on me. Um, and and yeah, sure, uh, physicality too, like. Um, I was in pretty good shape, so doing musicals and you know dancing and all that, all that jazz, uh, that certainly helped. Uh, so uh, what what was so you went to college though? Sorry, I did get back to this. So you went to college for theater though. After that, or what? What was the next step? Oh yeah, sure. I uh, yeah, right after graduating from high school, I went to uh, college, Chapman University in Orange, California. Um, for 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 theater for acting and uh, uh, just blew me away. The the professors there are are so fantastic, and they uh, they treat their students like like peers. You know, so it's like we were working together towards a common goal. Um, I don't think I personally was ready to go right into college. Like I, I think there's a big uh, emphasis uh, 
today or at least maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago about how you need to go to college right away. But I just don't think I was emotionally or I don't know, psychologically prepared for it. So I kind of faltered a bit. I focused a lot on the theater and let other stuff slide. So I ended up taking a step back from college and and went to Seattle and lived for a couple of years. And, and then I was at a point where it's like, I, I want to go to college. I want to finish. I want to learn. And uh, expand my knowledge of the craft and stuff. So, so then I went back to Southern Oregon University in Ashland, where they have the big uh, Oregon Shakespeare Festival, and I finished up there. And likewise, the the professors there were just just phenomenal. When you were in Seattle, were you still part of a scene, or you just kind of you weren't acting at all, or or what were you doing out there? Yeah, I, I, I was. Uh, I don't know what Seattle is like now. When I was there, kind of in two thousand two ish. It was really difficult to work a lot. Like there was a there was a definite like separation between the professional theaters and uh, sort of the community um, and and fringe theaters. Where where the professional ones they would hire either uh, performers from out of state, like from New York or L.A., or uh, people right out of the University of Washington program. Uh, so I, I didn't have much opportunity to to do a lot of stuff but yeah i i i i kept uh, doing shows kind of the smaller theaters and the, and the fringe festivals uh, and was that what you kind of envisioned was being more of a theater actor did you have that was it just like any acting or like was the goal to end up in tv and movies or you wanted to do theater or were you not even thinking that far ahead i was a hundred percent committed to theater and if the opportunity to do uh, film or TV popped up, then of course I, I would uh, happily explore it. But no, I, I, I always assumed that it would be a, a theater for me. Like I, I envisioned myself uh, eventually getting my actor's equity card, the, the stage union card, and, and holding up in some big regional theater until I'm, you know, 70 and doing King Lear and, and living in a little cottage. <laughs> and, you know, I was really romanticized. But uh, no, that was, uh, that was absolutely my plan and kind of everything changed when uh, a couple of years after I moved to Albuquerque with the burgeoning uh, film and television scene here. So do you think that uh, theater has more of that kind of community that you were talking about? Like, I, I don't think that it doesn't exist in TV and movies, but just sort of the nature of theater because you're it's the same group and you're doing the same show over and over again. And like, do you think it has more of that that like spirit? Hmm. That's hard to say, and, and it really depends on on the production, uh, uh, both both in the theater and and in and film and, and TV. Um, and it's hard for me to say, particularly because because my film and TV career has has uh, almost exclusively been kind of as a day player or a guest star, where I pop in for a day or two, or you know, a week at most, and then and then disappear. So it's hard, uh, and it's it's really hard to build that sort of sense of community when uh when you're when you're there for so short a time but i, I have done a couple of uh a couple of web series and, and one that's on uh, the amazon prime now uh where i was actually a part of the entire production and in those cases yes i think i think absolutely it's 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 similar it's the same as theater where uh you know you see each other day in day out and and you're you're all working towards the same goal and all trying to help each other out so yeah, I really think it depends on on your uh, sort of role in the production. Yeah, I always I'm always curious about the day player thing because mm -hmm. it, it in my mind it always feels like it would be 
like you're the new kid at school. Like everybody else is sort of, you know, they're already bonded and you're just coming in for this like short stint yeah. and, you know, you have to find your way to navigate it. And they also kind of know you're not going to be there, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, you know, for a long term either. So, yeah, is that just is that a hard thing to, to adjust to or is it, it is. just you just kind of. No, oh, it, 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 it totally is for me. I, I know other people who are, are very, um, uh, how do I, more outgoing or extroverted than I am. And they seem to just fall right into the rhythms and the energy of a, of a production, even if they're there for, for just one day. But me, I'm, I'm kind of uh, not as, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's harder for me to sort of get into a, a group and ingratiate myself. Um, so, yeah, it, it's difficult. And, and, like, and it also just depends on, on the production. I was actually, I was thinking about this um, yesterday about the differences in, in productions and in how they uh, treat the day player and, or the, uh, the guest star. And I was thinking about how um, with, with shows like Better Call Saul and, uh, and Roswell in New Mexico, how it's such a, they're, they're such families. And even if I'm there for just like just a couple of hours, I, I feel like I've just fallen in in back in with with family like like from top to bottom just the nicest nicest people, but then there's other shows I've been on uh, where I feel like um, <laughs> I don't know sometimes I feel like a hindrance or like uh, <laughs> or like they don't even uh, care or or that I that I've just kind of ignored. Um, and those are far and few between, honestly, but, uh, it, well, I, I don't know. Yeah. I would have to imagine too, that I was just gonna say some of that might even just be that like, cause I would be the same way if I were you and I would feel uh, like super awkward about it, but mm-hmm. then it's also probably just like, there's so much going on that it, maybe this is better or maybe this is worse to think about, but like, you're not important to them. <laughs> like you're almost, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, like sure. they, you know, but I, you know what I mean? Like, cause like if some, you know, they're so focused on everything else that they don't think about the, uh, you know, some of that. And I think that's probably a testament to Better Call Saul and, to you know, Roswell that like, they're probably such a well-run machine that they are able to care about everybody and that everything's working well enough that, that it's sort of like if things aren't going as streamlined as they should be probably one of the first things that they don't think to do is like, let's be nice to the day players, you know? So like, I can kind of see that. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And I think what, I think, I think what it comes down to is the fact that the, those two shows, Roswell and, and Saul is that every one, every, every single person from, from uh, Karina McKenzie and, and Peter Gold down to uh, uh, PAs and catering, everyone is so good at what they do that they can afford to be, um, you know, nice and welcoming and, and compassionate and, and talk to people. Uh, the, the 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 experiences I've had on other ones, the bad experiences tend to be also be shows that don't last very long. I don't know if there's any correlation there, right? But, um, yeah, I think there is like I, I totally believe that because, uh, yeah, and I it's nice to hear you say that because I, I, you know, I listen to a lot of the Better Call Saul insider podcast, which I think is brilliant. Oh, so good. Uh, and but what the sense that I get from that is exactly what you were just saying, which is that they have a clear vision, like, you know, they know what they want, but also they seem to give everyone in every department freedom 
to play and to experiment and to sort of be empowered to, you know, like feel in charge of their department so that it's not one person micromanaging everything. It's one person with a clear vision, hiring really talented people to do, you know, like to sort of fulfill their roles. And you can see how that would build just like this, you know, great environment to be creative in. Absolutely. It's it's the trust. They, they trust each other. And that's I think that's what, what it comes down to. Other, in, in other in other places where, where there isn't that trust and people are, are kind of, I don't know, trying to prove to each other that they are worth their jobs or worth more than their jobs when they don't trust each other. That's when it kind of breaks down and it's less, um, I don't know, less fun, less fulfilling and a, and a less good product, frankly. Um, when it, when it- yeah, and it, I do think it, yeah, it did. It does bleed through, I think. That's why I believe you when you say that those shows don't last long, because I think somehow that does end up on screen a bit. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Uh, so what, just to take a step back for a second. Yeah. So what was the decision to to go to New Mexico? Like, what was the appeal there? You just that was where you wanted to live or was there something specific that drew you there? Or? <laughs> no, I, I had never been here before. Uh, so after, after graduating, uh, college, I, I moved to New York, like any good young naive actor and, uh, to- <laughs> toiled there, uh, for a few months. And, and I booked a gig, uh, for this touring children's show, uh, based out of Boston, uh, chamber theater productions were, were just phenomenal. And, um, so I, I traveled the country for, for about two years doing that. And I met my now wife, uh, while doing that. She's an actor as well. And, and after it was amazing. I mean, you know, we went to Graceland twice. <laughs> I just got to see these places <laughs> that I never would have been able to see otherwise. But after two years, we're like, eh, let's not do this anymore. So we were trying to decide. We wanted to be together and we were trying to figure out where to go. And I, my family's from Washington State uh, and hers is uh, here in New Mexico. And at the time, I think at the time, her, uh, her grandmother was, uh, was a bit ill. So we decided, let's come here. To, to New Mexico, to Albuquerque, Santa Fe area, uh, for a little while, just just to kind of be close to family, and then we'll figure out uh, figure out what to do next. And um, you know, New Mexico is called the land of enchantment, but people here, people here kind of uh, call it the land of entrapment because you get here and you just <laughs> you just don't leave. It's like every uh, every year you're like, yeah, I could do this for another couple of years, and then it turns into to eleven. But uh, no, I, I I absolutely love it here. It's uh, it's it's amazing. So uh, the reason I came here was was my wife and family. But um, the reason we've stayed is is just that we, that we love it. And and when I when we first got here, um, the film and TV was just starting to to take off. Uh, Breaking Bad was still filming. I think they had a couple seasons left when we got here. Um, and there was there's so much theater here. Like I had no idea. It's it's got some of the, one of the most uh, theater companies per capita in in Albuquerque. It's it's crazy. So as soon as I got here, I just dove into to theater because that's what I that's what I did. That's what I loved, and that's all I, I really cared about. Um, and then uh, I think a year or two in, I, I had some friends who were starting to get some film work, and so I I wrote a letter to to one of the bigger uh, agents in town saying, hey, I'm here. Uh, can I come in for a meeting? And, and I got a response back saying, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, oh, whatever. I still got lots of theater to do. So I just kept doing, kept doing theater. And uh, I did like, like 30 plays in the first couple of years. And I just met like everyone in the entire acting community, including a lot of people who were um, uh, you know, agented 
uh, for film and television. And then after a while, I, when I decided to try it again. I thought, you know, I know all these people now and we, we respect each other's work. So I had, uh, uh, I shouldn't say this because other people are going to do this and agents are going to hate me, but I had uh, some, <laughs> of, some of my, my friends who were being represented by this agent write letters or emails on my behalf saying, hey, you should give him a meeting. And uh, she relented, I guess, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and allowed, allowed me to uh, to sit in with her and, and gave me a shot. And, and from there, it was just kind of just, you know, one little project after another. And I just got super lucky about uh, getting a couple of things pretty early, really small things, but actual like network credits. And, uh, you know, one thing kind of led to another. Did you ever audition for Breaking Bad? Uh, I did. Yes. Um, oh, wow. I completely forgot. Yeah, I did. Uh, the final season. <laughs> the final season. I went in for, uh, I don't even remember anymore. It might have been a lawyer uh, or a doctor. Oh. I don't know. 90% of the auditions I go on are for lawyers or doctors. But um, <laughs> is that is that your look? Like that's your type is just you, you give a... <laughs> uh, no. I, yeah, I'm curious. They... Uh, they do local casting. It's it's changed over the years, but back then they did uh, local casting mostly for you know one line parts, like real small parts. It just happened to be roles like the lawyer who walks in or the doctor who walks by, and, you know. Oh, oh um, that makes sense. Or the police okay, yeah. officer or whatever. So I think that's what it, that's what it really comes down to. But um, but yeah, I think I've I think maybe I've grown into into that type. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, well, how did uh, Better Call Saul come along? Like, what what was that audition like? Um, <laughs> it was it was it was bad. It was good, but it was bad. It was <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think I, I I wrote a little uh, Twitter thread about this on on Bob uh, Odenkirk's birthday back in October. But essentially, the, the story goes that uh, it was just a regular audition. I didn't really know much about it. Uh, I think the show had a different, even a different title at the time. Uh, it wasn't Better Call Saul. It was like, uh, you got got a call Saul or, or something like that. And no one knew anything about the show at all. I think the at the time, people were thinking, I don't know why, if there was some rumor, but people were thinking it was going to be like a half-hour comedy show. Um, about, you know, this crazy lawyer who's, who's taking on crazy clients and doing crazy things in the courtroom. But uh, so no one really knew anything about it. So, so I get uh, my audition sides, the script, and because it was so under wrap, it was such a secret, uh, I got, um, you know, fake sides, fake, fake lines. And it was for, it was the, the scenes I ended up doing in my first appearance in which all I say is uh, petty with the prior, like over and over again. <laughs> so my right. uh, my audition consisted of me saying the same thing like seven times in a row, <laughs> which not super easy for me because um, I don't know. It, it, it just became about like, how do I vary this? Like, how do I say something different with the same words every time, like seven times in a row? Like I was I was freaking out about it. So I did it. Uh, I did the first audition and it, it went fine. Whatever. I got I got a call back. I think a lot of people got called back just to. Uh, just to see. And so uh, I go in for my callback and I was just so nervous because by that point, this was like a, this was a little while after my first audition. By that point, I, I knew a little bit more about the show, like how big a deal it was. Like I'd started, finally started watching Breaking Bad and, and oh my God, I, I, was, I was so nervous. So I got there super early 
to the Albuquerque studios and I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't want to go wait like in front of uh, the casting place and I didn't want to wander around the parking lot, you know, because picked up by security or something. So I, uh, so I went to the bathroom and just decided to uh, pretend to wash my hands for, for half an hour and go over my lines in the mirror. And as I was, <laughs> as I was leaving, um, I opened the door and Bob Odenkirk walks in to the bathroom as I'm leaving. Um, and, uh, and I, I love Bob. I love Bob for, for so long. Like I was such a, a Mr. Show fanatic. Um, so, you know, I'm telling myself in my head, you know, just, uh, just don't do anything. Just walk by, just go, just go, just go. Instead of like look <laughs> up and make direct eye contact with him. I'm like, hi. And then, uh, he gives me a little polite nod and I, and I walk out and I, at that point I'm like, I, I totally blew this, right? Like, like I just interacted <laughs> with the star of the show in the bathroom. He's not going to want to work with me. <laughs> So so then I, my nerves sort of uh, dissipated a bit then because I was like, there's no way I'm going to get this. So I went in and uh, and then I find out that the director, who is the legendary Michelle McLaren, was there for the callback. Oh, wow. And so, you know, I find this out like two minutes before walking in. So my nerves get all all jangled up again. But but no, she was she was so good. Like, it's such a it's such a little scene, like in the scheme of things, even in the scheme of just the episode, it's such a little thing like the this petty with a prior petty with prior stuff but she took the time like i was in there for like 20 minutes like took the time to like just talk with me about it and talk with me about the character and, and try different things and oh it was such a great experience and i i credit her absolutely with with relaxing me enough to to, to actually get the part but um yeah I, that, that's, I, that's how it started by running into bob in the bathroom <laughs> So to recap your bad advice, it's uh, to get um, your friends to, to email their manager yeah. until they wear them down. And then also to find the star of the show in the bathroom in the and bathroom. Yeah. awkwardly introduce yourself. Yeah. 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 Okay. With, That's uh, good. These are good. Direct eye contact. <laughs> Don't forget that. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. very important. God, how am uh, I here? <laughs> I should be in jail or something. Oh, oh man. But... Yeah, I I don't know. You didn't bring up Mr. Show sketches. I feel like I would have just started talking to him about uh, you know that lie detector sketch for um, sure oh on Mr. God. Show. Or like oh my God. <laughs> that or uh, the uh, oh I don't even want to get into it. But uh, the whole uh, the yeah voice, the voiceover uh, commercial. Anyway, yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I watched that show just just like. Non-stop oh, in college, no, that same. and, uh, you know, rest of development and all that good stuff. Yeah. No, and it, so, but also, like, everyone, the, the you know, word on Bob Odenkirk is everyone says that he's the nicest person in the world. Like, it, do you find that to be true? Like, do you have dirt on him? Do you want to, uh, <laughs> do you have anything bad he's to say? He's terrible. No, no, he, no, he's, he's great. <laughs> he's, he's, no, he's great. He's great. He's, uh, um, he works so hard. Like, and, I, and it seems like an obvious statement, but I know other people with uh, maybe not as big of a role or responsibility as him that, that don't work nearly as hard. But, oh, he's, he's always working. Um, so uh, off, off camera, he'll, uh, you know, go to his chair and, and study his lines, either what he's working on or, or the next lines coming up. Or so he's he, at first he seemed kind of kind of serious and I was really hesitant to approach him. And in fact, I kind of waited until he approached me uh during that first season but then we just started talking and yeah no he's 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 super nice and super smart um yeah yeah no i have zero dirt <laughs> zero dirt on him unfortunately 
<laughs> on anyone, honestly, uh, anyone in the show, they're they're all so great. Yeah. Uh, did you like that scene? The the petty with a prior thing. I would imagine that's kind of like the. I don't know if you get that on the street or anything, but that almost seems like the the probably the first thing that comes to mind uh with your character like did you expect that like did it kind of no. <laughs> surprise you that it caught on no no yeah, I mean, yeah it totally surprised me like uh yeah i it, it still it still weirds me out like i'm i'm such yeah you know uh yeah petty with the prior and uh in the last couple of years it's been the uh, trans fats are the best fats or those are the best <laughs> that, that's popped up um i still uh like i don't get approached on the street or anything like i'm not you know no one no one cares enough to, to actually talk to me in person which is fine but um online yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of that and it's great i love it when you did the first episode was there any did they leave the door open for you to come back did you know if you would come back or was it in your mind was it just a one-shot thing i knew i did two episodes in in the first season so i knew i was gonna do those two there's the pay with the prior and then uh uh, the next episode, there's the whole uh, there's a there's a bathroom sequence about Satan's bunghole and all that. Um, so I, I knew I had those, but no, I, I had I had no no inkling that uh, that that I would be coming back. Um, I think, from what I understand, I, I think it goes back the to Bob. I, I think he um, I think he mentioned me when they were. Uh, gearing up for season two i i think he was the one who uh, kind of opened the door for me to come back which i'm obviously eternally grateful for but uh but no i don't i don't uh, i don't know anything <laughs> i never know anything <laughs> it just hit me too that sorry it just occurred to me that like in your subsequent appearances on the show you have encounters with bob odenkirk in the bathroom <laughs> so i yeah. wonder if that like worked its way into yeah i, the show I, I know after i know it's, it's weird and and uh yeah I, I like to think that there's a that there's a link there but i i don't know <laughs> yeah for a while there was like exclusively bathroom meetups uh because the car right when you ask him if you if you got to keep the car that's in the yeah, bathroom that was, too that was it? that was season three so yeah uh so the, the, the second the second one in in season two uh, or second one in season one, and then season two, and season, yeah, there was all in the bathroom. Now we've moved to the hallway. <laughs> yeah, we also kind of moved to. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think this season is it the first time. Like now, you have scenes with Ray Seahorn, like where you, you were almost kind of exclusively you and Bob Odenkirk, right? Like before this, or am I yeah, yeah, not remembering it, it that correctly? Um, uh, it was uh, last season, not the one currently airing, but the uh, season four. That that was when I, I got to do a scene with Ray, and that was uh, yeah, it was the first time I'd done a scene that that wasn't only with Bob. Um, Which has to be exciting too, because she's so great oh my in the show as well. Like I imagine, yeah, and just a totally different dynamic too because she's so much like you know bob like the you know the better call saul like saul you know is like trying to appeal to a different part of you than like with kim it almost feels like uh i don't know just sizing you up and just overpowering you mm -hmm, basically totally. <laughs> absolutely 100 percent. like uh uh one of the fun things that that i look forward to uh every time i come back in the script is seeing how the power dynamics have shifted between uh my character bill and and and, and jimmy or, or saul because you know from from season to season episode to episode we're like kind of one up in each other like i'm i'm kind of jealous of him and then then i have the power over him and but then we get to uh, 
the season four when I was uh, with Bill was with Kim Wexler and it, it starts off by by trying to have the upper hand but yeah quickly just crushed which <laughs> which I think is hilarious. <laughs> I do. I think the most interesting thing is like, yeah, I definitely think there's one upsmanship and there's uh, there's definitely like a status thing going on mm-hmm. uh, with your character and, and with Jimmy. But then there's also I, I think a lot about the scene when you visit him, like when he's arrested, yeah. you know, and yeah. there's just like there's like this odd like you start from a place of gloating and then sort of become very compassionate very quickly. And it's just very fascinating to see that switch. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, well, I think underneath the the, the one-upsmanship and the the sort of ribbing each other at work, I, I think they really do uh, see each other as peers, or at least, you know, Bill does to Bob. So I think in that moment, you're right, it starts off gloating and, and making fun. Uh, but when he sees like the reality of it, it's like, like, like this is, this is gone beyond just, uh, you know, who, who can win the case or whatever. And, and this is like real life, uh, trauma happening here so so yeah i think there is a deeper relationship which is always fun to sort of uh touch on even even super briefly in in scenes but that one in particular yeah yeah i I really enjoyed uh that we got that moment Uh, you kind of mentioned uh talking to michelle mclaren about the character but are you someone uh have you thought a lot about like his you know life outside of the show like do do you work like that do you kind of build a backstory in your head for him or, or how did you sort of develop the character? Uh, well, I, I, I credit to the, to the writers that uh, a lot of most of everything of what I need is, is right there in the, in the text and in, in the subtext. But I mean, personally, yeah, I do. Um, I, I, I tend to think a lot about my character and, and where they've been and, and, and where they're going and, and what, what goes on at home. Uh, it's hard though, because I, um, as a, like, as we were saying, like, like as a day player or, or a guest star, um, I don't sort of have the opportunity to, uh, you know, sit down with the directors or writers or <clears throat> pardon me and, uh, and discuss with them like what they think it is. So I have to sort of keep an open mind. So I can't, uh, you know, for myself, I, I sort of flesh out, as much of the character as I can, but I have to be prepared to to make make shifts as as new episodes come at me. So can can I ask what you anything that you've decided? I'm just curious, like how you see him. Oh man, um, <laughs> <laughs> I was just I was just thinking about this the other day. Uh, I, 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 I hesitate to get into any specifics, only because I no doubt will be. Uh, uh, told that I'm wrong or shown that I'm I'm wrong. But, <laughs> um, I always I, I, I see I, I see Bill and I think a lot of people do as as who uh, Jimmy would or, or or could be if he stayed on the straight and narrow. I think rules are very important to to Bill. Maybe not as important as they are to uh, Kim Wexler, but um, he's just the, he's the, he's the he's the workaday. He's the he's the he's the guy who just does the job that he's supposed to do. He doesn't necessarily like uh, his job. <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot of um, at home. There's, uh, I think he puts it all away. Like I don't think I don't think Bill takes any of his work like home with him mentally. I think he probably uh, you know binges Netflix or um, plays video games all night. Or something. <laughs> but um, he's married. I've had I've actually uh, the wedding ring that Bill wears is my wedding ring that we had from the first episode I was on. 
uh, and we've just kind of kept it. So um, he's married. I know that much. I can give that much away. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just think I, 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 he's sort of a, this, uh, you know, this um, just straight, narrow, workaday guy who's his foil to Jimmy. Just sort of so we can check in with Jimmy to see like how he compares to what he would or, or could have been or might might still become. I, I do love that, actually, because, yeah, I, I would totally agree with that, that he seems like like Jimmy, but in a better place. And yeah, it's the wedding ring thing is really fascinating because it, it almost feels like Jimmy with like the love and support that he needed, <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. probably what he didn't get from his brother. You right, know? right. Like, yeah, it's like it's, yeah, it's hard. Uh, to, it's hard to say that, um, you know, if not for Chuck, then maybe uh, Jimmy could have been. Bill, it's hard to say that because God, the writing—it's so uh, the characters are so complex that it's not this like straight line of dominoes where where you know one one act uh, knocks over the next. It's like this fanning out uh, domino structure where all these pieces uh, come together to 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 make the whole thing go down. So, but I think that yeah, with a more supportive brother, maybe with uh, more supportive friends or different friends when he was in Chicago or. Or, you know, this or that or the other thing. Yeah, I think he could absolutely have been have been Bill. Yeah, no, and it, I, I like that you said that, yeah, because I think it's a lot of complex thing. And maybe had he met Kim earlier, maybe that would have made a difference. Yeah, or, yeah. you know, there's, yeah, you can always play that game of, uh, you know, because obviously she's a good influence on his life. But there's this tragedy to their story that, like, we kind of almost know that they can't work out. I mean, maybe they can, but I, I have my doubts. I have no but, idea. you know, like, there's... Yeah. Uh, do you, like, um, have you given any thought to what Bill was up to during Breaking Bad? Like, is he just churning away? Like, no, yeah, I think he was just working up the ranks to, to become, to finally become the DDA deputy district attorney, which I think, <laughs> I got a feeling is probably the, probably the peak of his career. Unless something happens, <laughs> unless the writers come in with, with, uh, with, uh, you know, curveball, but uh, I, yeah, I think I think he's re- he's probably in his mind at least he expects that he's reached. He's not even ambi- Yeah, he's not ambitious enough to even want DA. <laughs> like, yeah, it's still- I think I feel like that's probably like too much work. Like, I think that would probably break his, break his brain <laughs> if he if he got any more responsibility. I think he's right at the perfect amount of responsibility where he can sort of lord it over some people and not not others. But uh, yeah, I think he's right where he should be. <laughs> uh well i know obviously you can't give anything uh, of substance away but like i just can we expect to see you more this season like you know like can we expect that that he may pop up again yeah i don't know i don't know they don't tell me anything (laughs) don't tell me no I, I, i will say this i will say this that um because of my role in the show, which is, uh, among other things, to sort of just pop up and have uh, this absurd, uh, an absurd moment or a small character moment or, or a little bit of you know, comic relief in an otherwise very serious episode or season. Like because, it, because my parts are so self-contained, like I don't know anything else that goes on for the rest. <laughs> like I'll pop in for like episode one and episode 11 and have no idea what happens. So like everybody else now, I'm getting to watch these episodes, you know, for the first time and, and, and follow the story and, and find out what's going on. Um, so no, I, I can't, I can't say anything about anything <laughs> because I've signed <laughs> enough NDAs to, to drown in paper, but, um, 
Oh, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble. I, yeah. No, no, I understand. But uh, no, I, uh, but but I'm just I'm super excited to just watch uh, every week because like bias aside, it's just. And I, I know it's coming from me, and, and I'm, I'm a part of it. But God, it's such a great show! Like I, I look forward to it every every week. I'm so nervous no, about a, everybody. It's a I don't know what's show. happened to anybody? <laughs> <laughs> no, you were. It, that's a funny thing. We're at a point in the show where like I'm enjoying it, but it's like we're too close to yeah. Breaking Bad, and I'm worried about everyone. <laughs> everyone, right? Like for a while there, for the first couple of seasons, yeah. it was like, oh, I love Kim Wexler. What's gonna happen to Kim? And it's still like that. But now it's like, but wait, what about like what about Howard and and everyone else? What's gonna happen? <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a funny thing too where uh I started rewatching Breaking Bad uh while I'm watching Better Call Saul and I had this thought of like, oh man, we're pretty close because he's he's calling himself Saul and like he's acting but then you watch Saul on Breaking Bad and you're like, oh no, he there's still a big gap between yeah. there's still enough Jimmy in him now that has to go away to be the Saul of Breaking yeah. Bad. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> which is yeah. awesome. I think I think time wise we're we're super close. I think character wise, yeah, there's some there's some big leaps to come, and that's uh, exciting. Yeah, which that, uh, but yeah, that concerns me of just how far that character has to mm-hmm. <laughs> to go in a short amount of time. But but, but no, it's it's such a great show, and I I love your character on it. Like, oh, <clears throat> and he, I do think you're right that that uh, you're almost like a necessary, and especially maybe increasingly as we go forward. Like it, it's you know it's calming to to see Bill pop up. We're like, oh okay, all right, this scene's gonna be okay. <laughs> like he's gonna eat some fries. Yeah, and, let's watch him eat like, some chips for <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> How is the eating? How is that on the show? I know that's always like a thing for actors, right? Like it is if you have to do you 50 to, takes. Uh, uh-huh. No, it's um it's fine. This show is fine. This show is fine because <laughs> I you know, I just I have I'll eat like half a bag of of Fritos or something or uh you know, like a, a dozen french fries. I've been on other shows where I've had to eat a lot more um, and it's been terrible. And you're right; it's awful. Because it, because you have to do it. You have to do it. If you do it in that first that first uh, angle, you got to keep doing it on every single setup. Um, but uh, no, it, it's fine for me because it's just it's just chips and stuff. It's not a big deal. That's a fun thing to if you start noticing that when you watch shows where you see like veteran actors who will kind of be in a diner scene, but they're just sort of holding yeah. their hamburger and not yeah, <laughs> taking a bite of it. That's smart acting. If you are yeah. an actor and you're about to embark on a film and television career, yeah, learn from that. You can uh, do you can do a lot of stuff with food besides swallow it. You can hold it and gesture with it. And I like to stir a little bit on the plate or... Uh, yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. It's. I mean. I mean. It gets to a point where if you're not eating, then it just looks bad. It looks. You know. It takes you out of it, and you're wondering. You know. You're seeing it, but you have to eat a little bit. But uh, yeah, you can be. Yeah. Be creative with it. Uh, well, what uh, what else is on the horizon for you? Like, what what else uh, have you got coming up? Um. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, Roswell, New Mexico, second season. Uh, which, which I play a little part in that that starts uh, actually starts next week on on the CW on the I think the seventeenth. Um, 
and then uh, yeah, Saul and that, and I don't know. There's nothing, nothing set in stone. There's a couple of things uh, floating around right now that I'm super excited about and, and can't talk about, but no, no, uh, no papers have been signed yet, so I can't really say much about it. But I'm just plugging away. Do you still do theater when you get a chance, or, or have you kind of just been focused on the TV stuff? I've been more focused on the TV stuff, and mostly what it comes down to is uh, I, I had a. Uh, my wife and I had a, a daughter uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, so we sort of took a break from theater because that's really hard to do. I have friends who have new kids who who still do plays, and I don't understand it. Like, I don't understand how people can even leave <laughs> their house, like, go out at all. Uh, so <laughs> we both, uh, both my wife and I are, are, are kind of itching, I think, to get back uh, to do some theater. But it's, it's been a while. It's been a couple of years for me. But I am looking, oh, okay. forward, to, looking uh, forward to getting back. Uh, well, is there anything I haven't asked you about that you want to mention or, or anything you want to cover? Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Just I just want everybody to know that everybody on that <laughs> Saul crew is amazing. <laughs> like, I, I, I feel like it's coming off like I, like I have to say that or I feel like I have to say that, but it is like 100% true. I, my very first, I'll say this, my very first day working... Uh, on season one, um, I don't know if it was my very first, maybe it was my second, whatever. Uh, I was I was wandering <laughs> around set because we didn't we didn't get to my scene. I ended up I ended up being there almost almost all day, and we didn't get to my scene, so it got pushed to another day. But I was just kind of hanging out, walking around, uh, not set. I was walking around the, the trailers, and Patrick Fabian stopped, and I could have been anybody. I mean, I was I was anybody. I was nobody, and he stopped and introduced himself and and chatted with me and uh, and another another fella for like five minutes, and that was like that was the best welcome to that set and it's only just just grown from there um ray and and bob are just fantastic i've I've had a couple of of larger scenes with them um that require a little bit more than just uh just a couple of lines back and forth and and they've requested to uh rehearse with me outside of outside of production and i was a stay-at-home dad for a while so i couldn't go to set or the studio to rehearse with them so they actually like took time out of their day uh, they're incredibly busy days to come to me and like rehearse at my home. And I, that's just the kind of, you know, environment, the kind of community that it is there, which is just amazing. That is, that's really great to hear. Yeah. That's very sweet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh that's it. <laughs> yeah. And that's interesting. Cause now your daughter's going to grow up like just being, Oh yeah. Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. He used to come over the house all the time. Rehearse with my dad. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> I'll support it. I'll support it. The stories for once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, cool. Thank you so much for doing this. It was really delightful to talk to you. Yeah, like was this was really fun. Too. Yeah. Thanks for calling. So there you have it. My interview with Peter Dyseth. Uh, who was so great, wasn't he? Like, wasn't that fun? I, I really loved that. I could have talked to him easily for another hour. It's just a great chat, great guy, and all the everything I wanted to hear about Better Call Saul. So it, it made me very happy that he would neither tear down Bob Odenkirk or the show, uh, because you know I want to believe that it's a wonderful place uh, and that Bob Odenkirk is the best. So very happy with all that. If you enjoyed it. 
Uh, please go to hobotrashcan.com, go through the archives. We got a ton of interviews with other uh, actors and celebrities and writers and all kinds of stuff. So just please check it out and tune in next time. I'll be back with Lars uh, doing the normal show. Check in for that too. If you are a fan of pop culture or movies, uh, you know, just go ahead, hit that subscribe and remember question everything. So you preferred the laundromat? Actually, do yeah, it was nice. It was like I could just go somewhere for two hours and uh, not have anything expected of me whatsoever. Just do laundry and read a book. Hobo Radio is a production of hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. This is Joe. And this is Chris from the Curioso Podcast. You are currently listening to The Hobo Radio. Joe, do hobos listen to Hobo Radio? I think so. They have one in their stick and bindle, right? Uh, that's called a bindle stiff, sir. Bindle stiff. And you know what? If you listen to The Curioso, you will get to know things like that. 
because we talk about the weird, the strange, the bizarre, and sometimes the mundane that you just don't know. So enjoy your two hobos, but you can catch us at thecurioso.com on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network. Nicholas Cage wants you to.